You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Reports of the demise of Steph Curry's jump shot have been extremely premature. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Wake Up With The Warriors, Western Conference Finals time, recapping game one between the Warriors and the Blazers. So, I thought that there were two competing narratives coming into the start of this game. On the one hand, you have the Warriors who have made a habit all year of not really showing up to games. They frustrated fans all season long with kind of inexplicable losses, both at home when they shouldn't have lost and just to bad teams. And of course, they're the ones that stick in our memory like the home loss to the Phoenix Suns. But it was a season just with a lot more inexcusable losses than we've seen the last four years, and rather frankly, the reason for that was the team just not showing up, which is understandable given this extended run they've had four years in a row playing two months longer than the average NBA team and having the championship fatigue. But we saw it even in important games not to take anything away from the Los Angeles Clippers, but we saw it in round one when the Warriors lost two out of three home games and had some closer contests than they should have had where they just didn't look like they were as inspired and motivated as they probably should have been. The other narrative that was butting heads directly against that one is the fact that the Portland Trailblazers are coming off of a seven-game series that concluded on Sunday. One day of rest after a seven-game series. A seven-game series that had an additional 20 minutes of basketball tacked on the end of a single game. A quadruple overtime affair that surely took out their legs. And on top of that, four of the seven games in that series were played in Denver, a mile above sea level. This team had to be utterly exhausted. And so, for me, this game was about which of those narratives is going to hold true. If either of them do, if neither of them do, or if they both do, you kind of have to give the edge to the Warriors because they're the better team, obviously. And I'm not sure if... Either narrative did end up being true. You can kind of choose for yourself whether Portland was super exhausted. They faded down the stretch a little bit, and I think I think that was where the, the incredibly grueling series they just played came in as a factor. But for the Warriors, that 
fear that they would take this game off, riding the emotional high of Friday's Game 6 victory. That did not materialize. At all. They showed up. They were ready to play. Sure, they were sloppy in the opening minutes. Both teams were sloppy in the opening minutes. A lot of turnovers, a lot of weird plays, brain farts, missed shots, etc., etc. But then the Warriors started to figure it out. And Steph Curry started to get rolling. The Blazers ran this very odd scheme against Curry initially where when the Warriors ran their high pick and roll that they've been obliterating teams with Ennis Cantor basically just sagged back in the paint and I'm not really sure what Terry Stotts's idea was there I don't know what he should have done because Ennis Cantor is really just an unplayable center in this matchup. He's just so bad defensively and so immobile that he's just picked apart by pick and rolls, especially pick and rolls where the primary ball handler is a dangerous shooter. And I don't think dangerous shooter comes even close to describing what Steph Curry is. Portland eventually switched up their defensive game plan a little bit, but that didn't work either. And truth be told, I'm not sure what they're supposed to do. With Yusuf Nurkic injured, Ennis Cantor forced into a lot of minutes, and he's just... He can't play in this series against this team defensively. And, you know, maybe Portland goes with heavy on the Zach Collins minutes. Maybe they just need to go small with someone like Evan Turner getting the, or Mo Harkless getting the bulk of those minutes at the five. But it was ugly, if you're a Blazers fan, every time the Warriors targeted Ennis Cantor, and they did it a lot. Uh, Nate Duncan pointed out on Twitter that Billy Donovan, when Ennis Cantor was with the Oklahoma City Thunder, took the approach in the 2016 conference finals that basically Cantor would play every minute when Steph Curry was on the bench and zero minutes when Steph Curry was on the floor and that Terry Stotts should probably try to implement the same thing. I certainly agree with Nate's assessment there. It's hard to imagine Portland being competitive in this series if Cantor is playing 30 minutes as he did tonight barring something wild. So, while we're on the topic of Steph Curry, he was exactly what the Warriors needed him to be in this game. It was a vintage Curry performance. He was making everything. He was aggressive, but still smart with the basketball. He was moving brilliantly off ball, and also when he was dominating the ball, he was working around screens perfectly, keeping his live dribble and reading the defense and getting anything he wanted. We've seen it really dating back to ever since Kevin Durant got injured in Game 5 and Steve Kerr put the ball in Curry's hands more. We've seen this return to Steph Curry picking apart teams 
when running a pick and roll with Draymond Green where it's really just a matter of the defense gives him something, he burns them for it, he continues to burn them for it, they adjust and by nature of defense leave something else open and he burns them for that, whether it's him pulling up for three because they're playing a little bit loose on the coverage or burning them at the rim because they're out of position or finding Draymond Green and having that lead to a hockey assist because they're trapping him hard. He's kind of mastered that. And defenses, at least this one in Houston's, don't really know what to do about it. So he finished with 36 points. And the encouraging thing was 9 of 15 on three-pointers. His jump shot has been struggling for quite a while now, and he broke it out. 12 of 23 overall from the field, 3 of 3 on free throws, and perhaps the best part of his night was he had 7 assists to just 1 turnover, 6 rebounds, and just 3 fouls. So really, everything you could have asked for out of a Steph Curry performance, and it was enough for the Warriors to really just feel kind of in control of this game. It wasn't a blowout until the final minutes, um, you know, maybe the final half of the fourth quarter. But it just never felt like it was Portland's game to take. It was a four-point lead at the end of one quarter, a nine-point lead at the end of the half. It was cut down to a six-point lead going into the fourth quarter, but the Warriors still felt completely in control. And then in the fourth quarter, they just flipped the Nas switch, outscored the Blazers by 16, ended up putting up a huge number, 116-94. to Just a very comfortable win when all things were said and done. So Steve Kerr said before the game, that he should have trusted his bench more in the Houston series, really didn't rely on the bench until Game 6, really. And it obviously paid off for them in Game 6. And he said that he was going to change that in this series. And after tonight's game, he reiterated that. He said that this Portland team is a team where the Warriors can go 10 or 11 men deep against. And while perhaps that made some fans shudder as thoughts of Anderson Verjao and James Michael McAdoo danced through their heads, I do think Kerr is right. This is a more favorable matchup for the bench players uh, because of the system that Portland runs offensively and defensively. As great as Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are, it's less of a kind of tit-for-tat superstar matchup as Houston was. And really it's a defense that if the Warriors are able to move the ball around as well as they're capable of, should be able to yield them open looks. And that's where the bench players can come in and can make an impact. So, pretty impressively here, the Warriors played all 13 men tonight, and all 13 of them 
finished with a positive plus minus. I don't know how many times that has happened, but it is not a common occurrence. All the way up from Kevon Looney and Alfonso McKinney, who were plus one on the night, up to Clay Thompson and Andre Guadalla, who were both plus 16. And the bench really was phenomenal. Uh, Quinn Cook played big minutes. Jordan Bell did some really great things. In his 11 minutes, he had three points, four rebounds, three assists. Uh, Jonas Drebko had a strong night. Three of five shooting, one of one on threes. He had nine points and five rebounds. The bench did exactly what they needed to do. They scored the ball well, and yet they were very smart with the ball as well, which is vital. They didn't give excuse me, Portland opportunities to get back into this game. Only three turnovers from the bench despite heavy, heavy minutes. So that was huge for them. Steve Kerr was definitely going to keep going out there with the bench. And there was an exciting bench development. Despite being ruled out yesterday, Damian Jones played. He returned to the lineup. It's the first time he had played since he tore his pectoral muscle in December. He only played two minutes. You know, Steve Kerr waited until garbage time to put he and Jacob Evans in. But Jones looked good. He looked healthy. He looked athletic. He made his only shot, also made a free throw, had a rebound. So if for nothing other than emotions and sentiment, it was tremendous to see him get that opportunity. It had been such a tough year for him starting the year as the starter, suffering that injury, and having it seem like a long shot that he would be able to return at any point during the season. And now he's back. It's unlikely that he'll work his way into the rotation at all. With the addition of Andrew Bogut, the development of Kevon Looney, and DeMarcus Cousins, who may be returning, and just the Warriors playing smaller in the playoffs, it's it's very unlikely that we see Damian Jones get on the court for meaningful minutes, but you never know. And it was just great to see him back on the court. His teammates were obviously very happy for him. The fans were very happy for him. It was a, It was a good moment. And... Just to kind of wrap this all up on that note, the one real big positive of Steve Kerr's kind of socialist schemes here and style of of rotating in all of his players is everyone kind of got a chance to get in rhythm, to shake any rust off. And you never know when you're going to have an injury, as the Warriors have had injuries to two key players already in these playoffs. You never know when you're going to have foul trouble, as Steph Curry has been perpetually riddled with throughout this run. So, you know, hopefully, if and when the Warriors get to the NBA Finals, Steve Kerr tightens up those rotations and isn't giving huge bench minutes against a team like Toronto or Milwaukee, but sometimes your hand is forced, sometimes injuries, foul trouble other extenuating factors force you to play players that maybe you didn't want to play. And now those players have a little bit less rust, a little bit more confidence, a little bit more rhythm, and might be able to do what Steve Kerr once did as a 
as a back of the bench reserve for the San Antonio Spurs so many years ago. So you never know. Anyway, it was what the Warriors were looking for in game one. They handled business without DeMarcus Cousins and without Kevin Durant. They made it look comfortable. Steph Curry's jumper was there. Klay Thompson's was there as well. He shot 10 of 24, 3 of 9 on threes, 26 points. And most importantly, they got the W. So they now have the one to nothing series lead. Game two is on Thursday night, and we'll be back again then. Thanks for listening, everyone.